This is Reno Lovison, executive producer at ChicagoBroadcastingNetwork.com. And I'm doing something a little different today. I'm going to do some field recording and try to do a live podcast out in the field and kind of see how that goes. There is a uh, architectural tour going on in the city today, which basically consists of a number of locations around the city that are open to the public. Uh, sometimes uh, they're not open to the public. Many of the places are open, generally speaking. But, but the idea is to go out and sort of investigate the city, investigate the architecture of the city. And I have a list here of some locations on the near north side and as many of you know my wife Julie is the director of the Lakeshore Music Studio and she has a couple of piano lessons going on today and so that usually gives me an hour or two to um, find something creative to do on Saturday so I thought I would check out some of these north side architectural landmarks. Here's a, l a list that I found of some things that are on the near north side which you can investigate on your own which include Access Living Headquarters at 115 West Chicago Avenue, the Ambassador Chicago Hotel, which I believe is the one that used to be the Ambassador East at 1301 North State Parkway. There's the Architectural Artifacts uh, Company, which is at 1065 North Orleans. The Anti-Cruelty Society, which is uh, an interesting, architecturally interesting building, which you probably have passed by if you've been over near 510 North LaSalle Street. The Arts Club of Chicago, which is at 201 East Ontario. The Glens Tavern and House of Glens Wine and Spirit Shop, which is at 1202 North Wells. The International Museum of Surgical Science, which is something that's always been of interest to me, and I, I'm hoping maybe I'll get over there today, which is at 1524 North Lakeshore Drive. Interestingly, I happen to know it's like next door, a couple doors down from the Polish consulate. And then there's also the Palette and Chisel Academy of Fine Arts at 1012 North Dearborn. So I don't know if I'll be able to hit one, two, or three of these in the uh, time that I have allotted today, but at the moment, I am parked near Schiller and LaSalle Street. And for those of you who don't know this area, I'll just give you a tip that there is free parking on LaSalle Street just about all of the time for some reason which is unknown to me at the moment. So if you're over, ever over this way, always check out LaSalle Street and see if you can get yourself a free parking spot. And I'm going to make my way south from here over to the... Glenn's Tavern and House of Glenn's Wine and Spirit Shop because that's something that's always been of interest to me and I've actually never gone in there and it's been there for many many years so I'm gonna head over that way and I'll give you some more information once I hit that location. For those of you who are not familiar with the Well Street Old Town area it's architecturally interesting in its own right uh, full of a lot of vintage buildings many of which have been rehabbed in in the last uh, several years and so it has a sort of, uh, oh, what you call sort of a new nouveau um, vintage architecture vibe to it these days. Uh, of course, I remember it back in the day when it was pretty grungy and these buildings were all pretty old. Uh, now they've all been rehabbed and with fancy shops, but it's still a nice place to, to walk and find some good restaurants and that sort of thing. 
Uh, I'm standing at the corner of Wells and uh, Evergreen right now in front of the Franklin Fine Arts Center, which is a, a Chicago public school uh, dedicated to the arts. And I see there's a plaque here that says that this is the location of the Western Wheelworks Factory and Dr. Scholl Footworks Factory that in 1889 was the world's largest bicycle maker. Um, and uh, at this same time, Dr. Scholl, the famous Dr. Scholl of the uh, foot care fame, uh, rented space in the bicycle factory and began manufacturing shoes. So in 1900, Western Wheelworks closed and Dr. Scholl purchased the property for his own factory. And in 1981, the factory closed and the site was redeveloped into an apartment complex known as Cobbler Square, which it is to this day. Um, sections of the original factory building were incorporated into the new design and uh, courtyards were paved with Chicago Alley brick. So if you're down here on the, what I would say pretty much the south end of the Old Town Shopping District, you'll find Cobbler Square on the west side of the street opposite the Franklin Fine Arts Center. And I suppose, possibly ironically, there is also the Village Cycle Center directly across the street, perhaps an homage to the original Western Wheelworks factory. Uh, from here, I'm going to make my way uh, down to the uh, Glunz Wine Shop, which is where I'm, I'm headed, and give you some more information when I get there. Great, thanks. Great history. I came in late, so I was just interested in the history of the building and that sort of thing. And I'm recording you for my own notes later, oh, but uh -huh. just for the All right. Notes. Well, the building was built after the Chicago Fire. Um, actually, downstairs, I don't know if you know that when the streets were built, weren't lifted. So there are windows down there, that it, and there was in a the stairway that went down. I do have one photograph that shows stairway from outside that they went down, that those were uh, the front. You know, there were stores down there, and then the sidewalks were moved up. Okay. Um, so the, the but, street level was probably about six feet lower? Yeah, probably. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, was it a, has it always been pretty much the way we see it today? Well, what you see out here, those shelves have been there, I think, from very early. Um, when my grandfather started, he didn't have much, any money at all. Uh, but he was very thrifty, and I think business was good right from the start. But So those shelves are the right. The murals out there, again, have been here my whole life. I'm sure that they're 100 years old. I had them touched up in uh, about 30 years ago. But they, they're just the way that they were. I just had a very fine artist who just freshened them. And what's this room we're standing in? Is This, this was the living space of the family. Oh, okay. Uh, that my grandfather and grandmother lived here before the children were born, and then they moved upstairs. So this was a traditional kind of a... Uh, live right live. where your business is, exactly, yeah. and, and even living upstairs, and you know, upstairs. until the children were quite uh, grown and it was only about four years before he died in 31 that he bought a house on Greenview and Waveland and they moved up there. Did you ever live here? Yes, until I was 13, we lived upstairs, right. Great. And is this still living space upstairs? No, well right now it's kind of in transition. One more question from me, but sure. what about the windows? The windows, again, have been here my whole life, and I'm sorry I don't know the, uh, the history of the windows, or when they came, but my grandfather had them put in, and uh, so they're uh, yeah, well over 100 years old. And what do you think the success of, why, why has this, why have you done so well here over all these years? 
this neighborhood has changed. Well, when this has I been uh, a... see what lawyers make and doctors make, I don't know how you're saying we did so well. <laughs> how have we you're survived? Still here, yeah. We have survived because we're passionate about what we do. I would say that really is, you know, I look at my son and uh, how he's working and how I've continued working all this time. Uh, we, we love what we do. We love the place. We feel the tradition, the importance. So. Anybody else have questions? We want to hear it. Pardon? I want to hear the story about the place. Oh, the place, yes. Well, my yeah, we just came in, too. Oh, you so. did? All right. Yeah. Yes, my grandfather started it. Uh, he came here at 17. Um, and was in New York and then in Pennsylvania where he had relatives and then came to Chicago. He spoke no English when he first arrived. So he came to this area because this was the German neighborhood and completely German. It's, uh, uh, Oscar Mayer was the next block and Dr. Scholl was where Cobbler Square is, three blocks now. So uh, it was very natural for him to come right to this area. He worked for, um, excuse me, for Charles Wacker. Uh, for a number of years, and then Mr. Wacker lent him the money to open the store. Um, and then uh, he just worked at it, you know, <laughs> beer and wine, mostly beer, to start with. There was a, when he bought the building next door, there was already a tavern there, so he did keep it going uh, for some time, but then it, it, for prohibition. You could see the prohibition was coming, you know, there were always words coming on uh, that this was a right happened. Uh, so he closed it. Yeah. He did have people that kept the store going. At that point, at Bureau of Prohibition, they were able to sell all the things that people needed for making their own wine. Every family could make 200 gallons of wine for their home use. If they had not allowed that, there would have been another revolution in America because <laughs> the Germans and Italians could not understand having a meal and the French without the wine. You know, insane. Americans that we were. Anyway, um, they uh, uh, they did sell bottles and uh, grapes. There were bricks of grapes that were sold, uh, dried, that had a warning on them that do not add water because it might ferment. So, <laughs> and then we have in the tavern, you'll see there's a, um, wooden boards that were the tops of cases and they're marked for medicinal spirits. So that was a highly regulated area, I will say, but we did deal in medicinal spirits. And then all the churches were allowed to have wine. So they sold the religious churches and, and the synagogues also. Did they make their own or? No, no, there were um, some wineries that kept going to supply that. Locally? No, he never made wine. Now, my brother bought a winery in California. He's in Paso Rebels, uh -huh. and he's out there now. Okay. Is that why Sacramento wine tastes so bad? <laughs> you know, why they do is because they have the bottle open. Now, they're usually fortified uh, wine that they will use. Yeah, it's still, uh, we did novitiate wine for many years, and then... Um, I'm not sure which one my brother does now, but he still does sell an older wine. My, my family's Italian, and my grandfather made his quota oh, uh -huh. uh, all during that period and yeah. into the 60s. Yeah, so. yeah. No, a lot of people. My neighbor. I lived in Saugatuck, and my neighbor uh, was Croatian, and he had you know a mountain of grapes delivered every fall, and he and his friends made wine every year. They loved it. It yeah. was just fun, you know. A number of people do. Yeah. 
Not a lot, but I never do. I said, we got to go. We got to go to the House of Glunts. <laughs> I thought you could. And I just wanted yeah. to check yeah. in with you and say hi to you. Yeah. Oh, and I, uh, yeah. do you keep in touch with Judy? Excuse me, I'm going to leave. Sure. But sorry. I, I recorded you. Can I use, for my podcast, can I use a couple clips out of that? Or? I guess so. Yeah, okay, I otherwise I, I, I have to. That I okay, thank you so <laughs> much. I'm okay. sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to. No, no, that's it. Thank you. Well, I just left the House of Glens and uh, took a little detour. I'm on my way to the Architectural Artifacts uh, store, which uh, seems appropriate when we're talking about architecture today. And I'm in the 1000 block of Wells, uh, specifically at the corner of Wells and Wendell, where uh, there's a very, uh, one of the more modern, one of the more newly built uh, public high schools, the Walter Payton College Prep High School is on this corner um, and architecturally you know very modern perhaps postmodern I'm not sure I'm not really an architectural um, expert in any way but it is a uh, very interesting glass and brick building uh, with quite a bit of light coming in from the uh, the building is on the west side of the street so it has a eastern exposure with a kind of a large atrium in the middle and then uh, uh, so a brick facade on either side. The south end of the building uh, has a lot of uh, evidently classrooms with uh, with lights, I mean with uh, windows, that are I would say in a more traditional architectural style. But still something worth taking a look at because it is one of the newer schools, though it was probably built about 20 years ago, but still one of the newer high schools in the city. Uh, absolutely across the street from there is the, I'm in sort of a windy spot here, uh, is the Ruben Salazar Bilingual Education Center, which is basically the Ruben Salazar Elementary School. And it's interesting to see the two uh, juxtaposed against each other because this is very much a traditional Chicago um, elementary school, the type that we see a lot of around the city. Uh, it looks like as though it was appeared to have been built in 1882 as the James A. Sexton School. And uh, so here again we have a interesting bit of architecture from the 1800s which uh, you could compare to the House of Gluns built roughly around the same time. And then uh, also compare these architectural styles with that of the Walter Payton High School uh, right across the street and of course uh, quite a bit of modern architecture all around us uh, on this street corner. I'm going to make my way over to the uh, architectural artifacts store and uh, talk a little bit more when when I get over there. I'm going to head into the architectural um, artifacts store now see what I learned. So I'm in the basement of the architectural artifacts store and uh, thankfully it's a little less windy down here. Uh, if you come and visit, first of all, some of you might remember that this uh, store originally had been uh, located over in uh, on Ravenswood, uh, on the further, a little bit further north. Uh, as I understand it, the company has been sold and is now owned by an event planning company. The basement uh, looks very much like the Ravenswood uh, location originally looked with quite a few uh, diverse items uh, from statuary 
to uh, lighting, glass bottles, furniture, and any number of, uh, of artifacts ranging from the secular to the profane uh, throughout the building. The upper floors, the first, second, third floor tend to have larger pieces of furniture, larger artifacts, uh, architectural artifacts, grill work, things like that, that might be used uh, uh, to augment some architectural feature within someone's building or home. So I think as you take your architectural tour through this part of the city, this is definitely a place you'd want to stop off just to get a quick overview of some of the artifacts that have been employed throughout the city. Um, in various ways, both interior and exterior, and uh, just sort of revel in uh, diverse um, artifacts that uh, you will not readily see in one place anywhere else. So take a look at artif architectural artifacts uh, at Hill Street and Orleans. One of the striking features of uh, architectural artifacts is, uh, is the institutional look of the building itself, which evidently was a Catholic school, um, I would assume part of St. Joseph's, which is across the street. You'll notice throughout the building a lot of uh, sort of institutional tile, and they've even kept up in, in many of the rooms the original chalkboards and uh, classrooms uh, architecture. So uh, the building itself is interesting to take a look at and uh, as well as the artifacts throughout the building. I've made my way over to the Palette and Chisel Gallery, which is at um, over on Dearborn. Don't have the address in front of me at the moment. Uh, but I think it's worthy to note that it's next door to the Ruth Page Center for the Arts, which is at 1016 North Dearborn Street, and is itself uh, an architecturally interesting building. Uh, I believe it also is a building that might have had uh, some religious um, history associated with it. Uh, it has a sort of uh, oh, early 19th century kind of uh, brick institutional oriented brick architecture that also seems to have a couple of things that are related to education on the outside some icons so perhaps this was originally a uh, uh, a building that was part of a educational institution I'll have to look into that but in the meantime it is a building that's very interestingly uh, very interesting to see architecturally and is also a great place to see uh, various plays and dance uh, performances and so on. It's, it's located at 1016 North Dearborn Street, next door to the Pallet and Chisel, which, we're, which is where I'm heading right now. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi, this is the Pallet and Chisel. Um, this building was built in 1876. Uh, the Pallet and Chisel artist bought it in 1921. So we've been here just over 100 years. Um, at the time, they paid $35,000 for it, so pretty good deal. <laughs> no kidding. Um, today we have a Chicago-themed exhibition on this floor. On the second floor, there are several artists who are drawing from a live model. On the third floor, there's a portrait drawing class that's happening. And uh, uh, across the courtyard in the coach house, there's a sculptor who's working. So, Thank you so much. Thank you. 
So I'm inside the pallet and chisel and I'm joined now by Julie who has come over and, and joined me for this leg of the, my architectural tour. And uh, we're on the second floor of the pallet and chisel which is uh, from what I learned originally built as a private residence and then later was turned into a uh, rooming house or boarding house with uh, a number of very small rooms which uh, are ideal now for uh, artists to work in. Each of the rooms uh, houses uh, a working space for uh, different artists who can keep their supplies there, work in there, keep their work, etc. Uh, throughout the building are paintings on all of the walls throughout the building, first, second, third floor, uh, which I understand are for sale and can be purchased. And uh, today there's uh, a live drawing class going on on the third floor. And I might add that uh, each of the artists look uh, pretty accomplished from my point of view. And there is a live drawing going on on the second floor featuring a gentleman holding a French horn. And there is across the courtyard, I understand, a um, sculpture studio with somebody doing some live sculpture. So we might make our way over there as well. In the meantime, uh, the building itself is architecturally interesting. It's not overly updated. It looks like it's uh, a building that's been uh, used and is uh, uh, continual, continuing to be in, in use. And that's a good thing. So uh, pallet and chisel on uh, Dearborn and Oak. We, we made our way from the pallet and chisel down Oak over to Rush Street and then down Rush Street to State. I think it's worth noting that on Rush Street uh, there is plenty to see just in its own right to take some time to look around at the architecture both uh, modern and traditional. Uh, Rush Street is has long been a kind of restaurant row and uh, place for especially tourists to hang out but it, obviously locals enjoy going to the many restaurants uh, and bars and clubs in that area. Um, it's notable to mention that it was the original home of Mr. Kelly's, which if you take a look at chicagobroadcastingnetwork.com, you'll find a podcast that we did uh, on a documentary film about Mr. Kelly's, which if you find this architectural tour interesting, you might find that interesting also, particularly if you're interested in Chicago history. So we're on our way down to State Parkway right now, which is officially State Parkway as opposed to State Street. Uh, the north end of uh, State Street and uh, we'll be heading over to the Ambassador Hotel and uh, give you a little feedback uh, about what they have to offer. And then you can take a look inside. You can go inside, but you can definitely take a look inside. Um, but yeah, that's pretty, pretty much it. But let me show you. I'll let you go ahead and take the tour. Hi. I'm sorry, I heard only a little bit of. That's okay. I'll give you a spiel. Hi. How are you? Here's a little map. I'll give you guys a full spiel. Oh, thank you. I've been cutting it short because I've been trying to change my shoes, but oh, no. <laughs> I've also been losing my voice. Yeah. From all day. Hi. How are you? If you guys want to step around, I'll give you so the tour originally starts here. This is the famous pump room. It opened the door in 19... Thank you. Uh, in 1938, the hotel uh, opened the door in 1932. So in 11... 
In 11 years, we'll be 100 years old. Um, this is the famous pump room. It closed its doors in 2007. We have the rights to all the pictures on the wall, but unfortunately not the name. So after that, it became a Booth One by Let Us Entertain You. Strategically named Booth One because the pump room had a very famous booth called Booth One. That booth is located right behind the hostess. So if you walk down into what we call today the pit, and you look to the right, it's going to be the booth, and it has a gold lamp next to it, but it's missing a phone. It's a booth one because it had a phone, and all the celebrities could give a call whoever they wanted because there was no cell phones. The phone is on display, but on display in the library, which is located straight across in the other room. This is the Frank Sinatra Gallery. Uh, his famous booth is all the way at the end. I'm sorry, they're kind of blocking the view. So if he was not at the bar, because he was a regular until the 80s, he was at his booth. So we kind of named it today. It's called Frank's Booth. He has his picture. And a lot of people come in just to take a picture of that booth. You're going to go following into the uh, lobby. The lobby has a few other pictures of famous celebrities throughout the years that have been here. Marilyn Monroe, Kennedy, uh, Len Zeppelin is the band uh, famous in the 70s. They were very well known for trashing hotel rooms. We had recently a couch, but they moved it. Um, in 77, they stayed here, trashed the entire hotel room, and then broke the window on the 13th floor and threw a couch out the window. So that's like a very famous thing here uh, that's happened. And then you'll also get to, I'm not sure if MK's downstairs, but we support an artist uh, uh, residency program here. We have a uh, studio on the 15th floor. She does these lovely pumpkins for the season now, and all the artwork displayed in the lobby and the library is done by her. So her QR code is here if you want to give her a shout out. She might be in the lobby to introduce herself. She might not be. Uh, and then you'll see some other things. We do have some events happening. So we kind of put up posters of what events are coming up. And then you'll go into the library. The library has a lot of historical artifacts that we have found throughout the years here as the hotel has been cleaned out. Things have been remodeled and moved. And then before you leave, you're going to come back and you're going to go towards the front of the hotel. But do not exit through the front doors. Instead, make a right turn, go down the stairs. You'll see something really cool. When this place opened, it was called Ambassador East and Ambassador West across the street. It was two hotels as one. Nobody knows that nowadays unless you look up the history, but there's one thing that nobody gets to see, and that's a tunnel. And that tunnel connects this building to that panel. We get to see it because it's behind closed doors, but today we have opened the door so you guys get to see. It's an original tunnel, nothing has been changed in the tunnel, so it's marble and gold floors, original to 1932, and a whole bunch of storefronts that you can see where the storefronts of people selling things used to be. So that's definitely something cool to see. And then there's a lot of pictures of all the celebrities and things happen. But yeah, it's a self-guided tour, feel free to walk around. We are giving away a free stay and a free brunch because we're doing a lot of events. If you'd like to fill one out, please feel free. There's also coupons on the table or 10% off your next day, please grab them and enjoy the tour. Great. I recorded that primarily for my That's notes, okay. but can I use a little bit of, course, of it if I want to? Thanks. Thank you. You're not the only one. My boss has been tagging me all day in random videos. I'm like, I'm going to kill you. Stop okay, it. good. So we've left the Ambassador East Hotel where uh, we learned a little bit about the hotel itself. In fact, uh, you've just heard a sound bite of the woman giving us the overview tour. And we walked around and took a look at the various spaces that she mentioned. And uh, when we came out of the hotel, we went north on State Parkway and are now standing in front of 1340 North State Parkway, which is the former Playboy residents or residents of the, the Playboy Mansion, uh, the sometimes resident uh, residents of 
uh, Hugh Hefner, but also known as the Playboy Mansion for many, many years. Uh, we did have an opportunity to visit there once uh, while it was still more or less in action and got to take a ride down the fire pole into the basement and uh, and just sort of experience uh, what the residence was like in its heyday. Uh, it's now a private residence. Uh, in the interim, it had been sold to, I believe, DePaul University, and uh, now is a private residence. But uh, a quick stop on State Parkway for you to take a look at. As I mentioned, Julie joined me a little while back and has been with me for this part of the tour and has something to share. The Open House Chicago takes place all over the city and um, obviously we can't take in all of the city so every year we try to pick off a few interesting places that we've never been and it's always a um, really a delightful little discovery to see inside of these historic buildings. And what's fun around here is to see all the history behind the, in the skeletons here. But the, um, on the outside is the comings and goings of modern um, life and people going to weddings and different e fancy events and walking their dogs and having their late afternoon coffees and just out enjoying life in the city. And it's so nice that that's uh, something that's goes on forever. That's a beautiful thing to do. So as you're enjoying your architectural tour, maybe following some of the uh, information that we've shared with you here today, uh, as Julie mentioned, it's, it's a good idea just to know what's going on around you and just see the people who are enjoying the city, people who live in the city, and, uh, and yourself being a part of it. As you make your way north on State Street, it's worth taking a look at State and Burton. Uh, on the north, uh, northwest corner, you'll see a building called the uh, Madliner House, which uh, is interesting. It has a, 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 fair, a fairly austere outside. Uh, the plaque outside says that it's outstanding residence in the tradition of the Chicago and Prairie Schools of Architecture and uh, it's worth taking a look, uh, just take a look at him, do a little research on your own. But it is on our way as we walk north toward the Cardinal's residence. So as we uh, make our way north down State Parkway, um, we get to the end of the block, which is, uh, oddly enough, North Avenue, which is the very end of State Parkway. Uh, beyond, you will walk right into Lincoln Park. And at this corner of State Parkway and North Avenue, between State Parkway and Astor Street, is the residence of the Cardinal of the Chicago Archdiocese and has been the residence uh, for many, many years. It's a rather huge mansion, uh, red brick with some uh, cement-like trim and featuring uh, several chimneys on the top. I'm not quite sure what the style of this building is or even what the history of it is. Uh, I'll leave that to do uh, for you to do a little further research on that. Uh, but it is a building worth seeing and it is notable that it is the Cardinal's residence. Uh, from here, if you wanted to, you can make your way uh, east to the lake and go up uh, Michigan Avenue and then over to the uh, 
Academy of the Surgical Sciences uh, Museum, which uh, I think would be fun, and I'm going to save that for a, another trip myself. Um, but also down that whole block are a number of very interesting old old mansions and uh, various buildings. Also, as you do make your way down State Parkway uh, from Rush Street over to the Ambassador East and then down to the Cardinals residences, any number of uh, uh, beautiful mansions and uh, large homes uh, which are worth taking a look at as you go by and maybe doing a little research on, on some of those individual buildings as well uh, as you make your way through the Chicago Gold Coast. We're going to wind up by walking back towards Sandburg Village and uh, the home of the Lakeshore Music Studio. And I'm going to, at that point, just do a quick little uh, mention of the uh, Sandburg Village because uh, it also has some historical architectural significance. And we'll wind up the tour there. As you make your way as we are uh, down North Avenue, that is uh, west on North Avenue, you'll be walking along Lincoln Park. Uh, I think it's interesting to note that uh, Lincoln Park had formerly been a cemetery back in the day. And we just passed a plaque here, which I'm going to read to you, that says, Chicago's early Catholic cemetery ran from North Avenue south to Schiller Street and Dearborn Street to the lake, now Astor Street. And it was established in 1845. Uh, it existed until the 1871 Chicago fire, and like the city cemetery to the north, not all remains were exhumed as has been assumed. So in other words, there are still some people um, buried here. Skeletal fragments have been unearthed during construction projects in nearly every decade since the 1890s. Uh, I think the thing to, that's most notable, people will see a small uh, mausoleum in the park and wonder, and it says the word couch on it because uh, that is a remaining uh, mausoleum from when this was a cemetery, so that's something worth uh, taking a look at. Uh, from this plaque where I'm standing, uh, very near uh, Dearborn and North Avenue, if you were to go to the north through the park, uh, there's a very lovely statue of uh, Lincoln there and uh, a nice place to maybe take uh, a little rest or just take a look at uh, a nice piece of sculpture. And then just to the west of that is the Chicago Historical Museum. So if you're a person that's interested in Chicago history, that's a great place to, to stop. Another interesting footnote is the Moody Bible Institute, which you will find just to the west of the Chicago Historical Museum. Uh, you'll notice right away that it is a very interesting, architecturally interesting building. It is uh, almost, well, let's say it's semi-circular, but uh, very nearly completely circular um, with a kind of uh, pointed top um, at, at the top. It's a red brick building and just uh, very notable right on this corner and worth uh, taking a look at and doing a little uh, research and investigation of your own on that as well. Julie made a quick stop here at uh, Germania Terrace and uh, Clark Street at the Pini Pico uh, Brazilian Cafe to pick up a couple of empanadas for us because I've been walking for quite a while and I'm getting pretty tired out and a little bit hungry. Uh, but it's interesting to note that this again is a very beautiful building that uh, that had formerly been the Germania Club and uh, now is the um, Lighthouse Art Space which uh, features a number of immersive 
exhibits uh, currently, uh, most notably and originally the Van Gogh exhibit, uh, which I believe was their first one. Then they did the immersive Monet, and currently they have the immersive uh, King Tut going on. And uh, these are very interesting exhibits that uh, kind of put you in the center of an artistic experience. Uh, you could learn more about that by uh, visiting uh, Lighthouse Art Space uh, online or also visit uh, chicagotheaterandarts.com uh, where I know that these exhibits have been covered and you could learn more about, uh, about what those are experiences are like. So here, here we are back where I began roughly three and a half hours ago. And interestingly, I, I've clocked about uh, three and a half miles. So you can do the math and uh, see that if you were to try doing this same tour, it might take you a little bit longer, a little bit shorter. You might travel the same distance or maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more, depending on what routes you decide to take and how much you walk around the various venues. Uh, but that's the statistics. Uh, we've ended up back here at uh, where we began at Schiller and uh, LaSalle Street in the shadow of Sandburg Village, which, as I mentioned before, in itself is architecturally significant. It is a sort of a city within a city the way it was originally built back in the 60s, I believe around 1967 or 68 it was originally built. Uh, it was uh, sort of a buffer area between Old Town, which at that point was kind of a lower income area, and then the Gold Coast, which is the area which uh, we just spent quite a bit of time talking about to the east. And along LaSalle and Clark Street, they kind of bulldozed the whole area from North Avenue down to almost division and uh, built a number of high-rises as well as a number of uh, townhouses and several low-rise apartment buildings, all of which are also interspaced with a little bit of um, retail space as well, which is how it happens to be the home of uh, the Lakeshore Music Studio, which I've mentioned on, on a number of occasions. And um, it's an interesting part of the city because uh, many of the people who live here have lived here since the 60s and 70s and so on. So it's, uh, uh, and yet it's also a place where a lot of younger people uh, come and feel like they can find some affordable uh, housing in the city as well. So it, it has a nice vibe in terms of uh, mixed uh, generations. Um, there are a number of very nice plazas uh, that they keep up uh, in all the different seasons. In the summer, it's just beautiful with flowers and, and many trees and so on. So it's a great little place to explore in its own right. So as we wind up this architectural tour, I think it, it's worth noting that Sandburg Village is, uh, is, deserves to be on, on the list. Whether you are a resident of the city, whether you are uh, just a Chicago file, somebody who's interested in things about Chicago, whether you're a, a visitor looking for something to do. Uh, this podcast tour, I think uh, it, it can be a lot of fun, especially for people who do live in the city. For me, it, it's kind of fun to just sort of be a tourist for the, the day and take kind of a staycation and uh, look at the the city with new eyes. You know, I drive by a lot of these things that I talked about today. On, on a regular basis and and I don't have time to really give them much thought or think about what goes on inside or or really take a minute to look at the architecture and I think it's something that that we all should do no matter where you live 
enjoy your surroundings. Enjoy what your city has to offer. Uh, enjoy just uh, exploring new places and, and looking at, uh, at things with, uh, with a new set of eyes. So uh, this is Reno Lovison, executive producer at ChicagoBroadcastingNetwork.com, reminding you to share, like, and subscribe to our podcast if you heard something that you like. Just give us some feedback if you have something that you want to add. And I hope you will uh, take a look at some of the places we talked about today. Either do the whole tour yourself or, or maybe do some of the uh, places individually. We did this as part of the uh, Chicago's architectural tour that's going on uh, this weekend. But this is something you could do really at any time of the year. So I'll just wind up by saying, remember, if you need audio or video services for your business or organization, check out renoweb.net. Hey, thanks to Steve Solomon for the use of Foster Avenue Beach as our theme song. That's okay.